Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. The Board of Sitka's Industrial Park has determined that a grassroots proposal for a new marine haul-out facility is worth pursuing further, but wants to hammer out a few details before sending the deal to the Assembly. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The Board of the Gary Paxton Industrial Park met on May 12th to consider a proposal from a yet-to-be-created organization called the Sitka Community Boatyard. The board has been struggling to find an acceptable vendor to build and operate a haul-out on public property since the announcement in 2019 by the community's lone private boatyard, Halibut Point Marine, that it would be closing down in the near future to focus its attention on developing its cruise ship port. The board has entertained previous offers, none of which quite fit the bill for lack of funding or a compelling strategy. The Sitka Community Boatyard, however, is backed by some serious experience in the seafood industry and a detailed financial plan, which they first presented to the industrial park in April. Linda Benkin is the director of the Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association and the board president of the Alaska Sustainable Fisheries Trust. She delivered a revised plan with a phased-in approach that starts with a 150-ton travel lift and washdown pad and which could be scaled up over time as marine service businesses launch or relocate to the park. What we hope you'll do today is take all that into account, score our proposal, and move this ahead. We do believe it's very responsive to the goals that you have set for use of this area and for meeting the needs of the community and the fishing fleet. While there's no other competing proposal in play at the moment, the Industrial Park Board does have a set of numbers to compare against the Sitka Community Boatyard's offer, a 2019 preliminary design estimate provided by PND Engineering, which tops out several million dollars more than Sitka Community Boatyard's plan. But there are differences, Benkin explained, like the hydronic boilers that would heat the washdown area and restrooms described by PND versus the electric porta potties proposed by her group. Benkin said that the Sitka Community Boatyard was a starting point. In some, the PND estimate is for a Cadillac version with 412000 in consulting fees and a yard that cannot be in operation in 2000, until 2023 or 24 whereas our proposal gets Sitka a working yard in 2022 with a potential to upgrade all aspects if build grants come through in the future. Other organizers of the Sitka Community Boatyard advocated for the proposal, including shipwright Jeremy Circa and fisherman Dan Falvey and Jeff Farver. Stephen Rhodes is a fisherman who now works in management at the Seafood Producers Cooperative. He urged the Industrial Park Board to look beyond the numbers. And I just want to speak to the human factor of this proposal. That when you look at the people and organizations behind it, ASFT, Jeremy Circa, Linda and Dan, it says a lot to what they're going to do for the community. That this isn't smoke and mirrors, there's transparency. And I think that having an entity like ASFT to guide this through the long-term goals of the project is really key to making it happen. That it's a public-private partnership, but there's actually a long-term entity there to drive it. The Sitka Community Boatyard, once it is fully developed, would occupy much of the remaining space at the industrial park. The vision is that the marine trades could establish permanent shops in the area. Shipwright Mike Nurko was supportive of the plan. But I'm really looking forward to a full-scale boatyard 
where I can do something other than work out of my tailgate, where I don't have to set up and break down every single time. Lance McCutcheon is a troller based in Sitka. The pause in cruise ship tourism allowed Allen Marine to reopen its boatyard over the past year, and McCutcheon considered himself lucky to be able to get work on his boat done there. Many of Sitka's fleet of 600 commercial fishing vessels have had to outsource work, and he thinks the Sitka community boatyard proposal could change that. With all the boats we have in town, and we, we really shouldn't be going to wrangle for this kind of thing. The Industrial Park Board went into executive session to evaluate the proposal. When it reconvened one hour and 20 minutes later, the board found the proposal responsive with a score of 65. Members of the board and the boatyard group will meet to negotiate some outstanding issues before the proposal wins final approval and moves on to the Sitka Assembly. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. You can find a link to the complete Sitka Community Boatyard proposal at our website, kcaw.org. Ketchikan is still in the middle of its largest COVID-19 outbreak to date. While case numbers dipped into the single digits over the weekend, by Tuesday they climbed back up into the double figures. KRBD's Eric Stone reports. Ketchikan's pandemic risk level remains very high, and that's not likely to change anytime soon. New infections are appearing at a rate three times higher than any other region in Alaska. Ketchikan's emergency manager, Abner Hogue, says it's clear that the coronavirus is circulating widely in the community. And we're seeing that with the number of community transmission cases. We're seeing that with um, the number of hospitalizations, people that appears in and out of the hospital. We currently have two hospitalizations. On Tuesday, Ketchikan set a new record for the number of community spread cases in a week. Some 18 infections couldn't be traced back to a known source. The area's positivity rate also remains above 5%. And a growing number of contact investigations aren't bearing fruit. Of the 74 cases between May 11th and Monday, 7, or nearly 10%, have been what's known as lost to contact. What that really means is that after multiple attempts, the the contact tracing folks, the public health folks, have not been able to either one, reach the person, or two, they're just not cooperative and not answering questions and helping them do effective contact tracing. He says health authorities are trying to get the outbreak under control, and he's appealing to people directly to cooperate with that effort. Nobody's going to be judging you. What they're trying to do is identify who you may have come in contact with so that they can inform those individuals that they need to quarantine until and, and watch close for symptoms so that this domino effect doesn't continue. That's how we break the, the chain. At the same time, Hoag says local emergency officials are easing their recommendations on masks. The new guidance lines up with new Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidance, which says vaccinated residents are able to safely shed their masks in all but a few settings. We've, we've looked at those. We believe those recommendations are based in science. Uh, we've seen it ourselves in our local data as far as how this virus has impacted vaccinated people. Um, very, very small percentage of vaccinated individuals who do become positive. Studies of the two most common COVID-19 shots in Alaska from Pfizer and Moderna found that they were upwards of 90% effective. That is, of all the people who tested positive in the final clinical trial, more than 90% were unvaccinated. Hoag says he's seeing a similar trend here in Ketchikan. In fact, we're seeing less than 5% of our total positives 
are vaccinated individuals. So very small risk of becoming uh, positive if you're vaccinated. Hogue says 270 people received a dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine at a clinic over the weekend at Ketchikan High School, but still only about half of Ketchikan's population has received at least one shot. I would encourage you to talk with your healthcare provider that you trust and see what they tell you. Um, get the information from the source rather than just listening to whoever the random person might be. So what's on the horizon for Ketchikan pandemic-wise? There are some promising signs. The number of active cases has dropped slightly, and the local positivity rate has also declined somewhat. But positivity and community spread remain solidly in level four or very high-risk territory, according to emergency officials' metrics. Hogue says the local risk level will likely stay elevated in the days to come. So I suspect if we've rounded the corner here, and, and I'm still not sure that we have, but if we have, we're probably a week or so, week and a half out from starting to see getting back down solid in the level three and maybe even down to level two. But Hogue says that's a very optimistic timeline. Ketchikan's neighbor to the south, Metlakatla, is also in the midst of its worst COVID-19 outbreak since the pandemic began, with 18 active cases as of Monday. Infections have slowed somewhat on Prince of Wales Island after a surge in April, but state data for areas further north and southeast Alaska shows case rates seven times lower than those in the southern panhandle. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. A bill that passed the Alaska Senate on Monday would pay university tuition for Alaskans who were employed as an essential worker or were laid off when the federal COVID-19 emergency began. The bill provides up to $10 million through the end of 2024 for students to attend Alaska colleges or other post-secondary programs. Students must apply for grants this year. Anchorage Democratic Senator Tom Begich sponsored the bill. He says it's in thanks for those who put themselves at risk. Folks lost opportunity during this pandemic. They lost work. They lost their health. I'm urging a yes vote in support of those frontline workers and those who've suffered, whether from the pandemic directly or from loss of employment. The funding would come from the state share of money from the Federal American Rescue Plan Act. Begich noted that people with college degrees are paid more on average than those without. It's about giving those who've given up so much during the pandemic something that could be life-changing back. The path to a successful democracy is an educated public. The Senate passed the bill 12 to 7, with five Republicans joining all seven Democrats in voting for it. It now goes to the House of Representatives. If the House passes it, Governor Mike Dunleavy would decide whether to sign it or veto it. I'm Peter Apathy, and this has been Raven News.